Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Once again, this is number 36. That's 36. 30. Yeah, there's 35 other times we've put you to sleep. <laughs> yes, addiction-wise. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the perspectives on some substance use. And some of this is actually kind of trends over the last four or five years. Statistics and trends mm. and all of those fun things. Yeah, this is just something we're doing just to kill time. You know, but people might really want to know because I think some of this is very, very interesting, especially when you're talking about how many, like, numbers. Yeah, except people might go, geez, they must be running out of topics. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a whole bunch of good ones coming up. Yeah. So one of the first things uh, really to talk about is kind of this current uh, binge and heavy alcohol use among people who are 12 and older. Uh, and, and this was actually done in 2018. And actually, if you just imagine a big circle that really <laughs> encloses all of the people who drink alcohol, it's actually 140 million people. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. That's like a lot of little falses. And inside that, <laughs> half of those people, roughly 67 million, million. people, binge use alcohol. There so, you go. so that's almost half of all alcohol users binge. Binge. Okay, so then if you're looking inside that and you're wanting to talk about just how many people use alcohol very heavily, we're not going to quantify all this, but heavy alcohol use. So this is, you know, your people with severe alcohol use disorder, if you were to break it down um, roughly, 16 and a half million people. So of all alcohol users, about 12% are heavy alcohol users and about 25% of people who binge alcohol would also be considered heavy alcohol users. Yeah. Now, if you're binge drinking, isn't that considered heavy drinking at the same time? Unless you're only doing it like once every month. Well, Is that I, what the differentiation would be, do you think? Well, I mean, I think that there's so many different ways people describe this, and you look at at-risk drinking. So at-risk drinking would be more than one a day for a woman. And if it's a guy, well, it's two a day, so that's 14 there a week. Go. So... Yeah, there's lots of different, and, and above that would be considered, I suspect, heavy drinking, but that would be at-risk drinking. There you go. Okay, so we just mentioned binge drinking. So who are the people who binge drink the most? Now, this is a little bit, I mean, I would think college. I mean, that's just where my mind would go. I mean, I was in college not that long ago compared to Kurt. You know, they still took horse and buggy and... They drink Kool-Aid or <laughs> whatever. Colleges were still like a one-room thing. Um, <laughs> but, but, I mean, college would be my highest, but actually the 25 to 34-year-old age group's just... Slightly higher. Slightly higher than that 18 to 24, but they also are the, the highest too. Yeah, but if you look at it in that age group, it's 25% of that age group binge drinks. And, of course, why? Because it's the weekend, right? Work all week, Friday, Saturday. Don't you think? Hmm. But actually, when you get to the older age groups, it's 65 plus, it's down to like two and a half percent binge drink. But actually, that's a group that if it's much easier to be an at-risk drinker because they have 
the smaller consumption actually has a bigger effect. Right. They have more underlying health issues. And they don't have much fat. They More meds. Yeah, more meds. It's lots of things. But, but you know, also disturbing, the high schoolers. We're at yeah. almost 20%. Yeah. High school. Grades 9 to 12, which is high for me. Yeah, that um, is quite a bit. So, anyway. So, if we look at past month half you know, heavy alcohol use. And, and really now we're looking at that age 12 and older. That's just one big group. And then you can look at the 12 to 17, 18 to 25 and 26 and older. So if you look at, at these groups as a whole. Over time. Over time from 2015 to 2018. I think one of the interesting things is some of it is decreased. Decreasing. Of the, the, to me, the highest age group in my, if you were to just think in your head, not knowing statistics, just what would you guess? has actually lessened is that 18 to 25 year old age group has actually come down. Yeah. Versus and in high schoolers as well as inched. I mean, it's a subtle drop, but it, it has dropped. Yeah. It's slightly gone down. And I think there's potentially a lot of different reasons for that. I don't know. I think the maybe higher use of marijuana, it's become much Possibly. more common. And maybe, maybe there's some education in there. Yeah. Although, you know, I, on the last podcast, I talked about how in, Colorado, there's actually higher alcohol use since marijuana became more common. But I do think that the, you know, marijuana now is just so common that it's what you have access to. Right. So if you're, well, and you know, what's interesting also about that to me, if you think about what you just said with the marijuana thing, and then you look at the alcohol, you know, when we ask all of our patients, we have over 100 patients, we've met, you know, over 200 patients who have opioid use disorder, the most common thing they say they used first, though, is alcohol, followed by marijuana, marijuana closely. Yep. So I wonder, though, but if that's been changing over time, you know, like what is the that you know high school, early college is going to say? I don't know if that's that shifted cause, just because marijuana is more accessible. I think it's probably my personal experience, but I often say, you know, when did you first start drinking Mountain Dew? You know, <laughs> what, what age were you? Oh, you were nine. Mm. And then what? <laughs> whatever gateway drink <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway and but then you have to ask about diet mountain dew versus mountain dew because yeah. i think that's huge it's, it's a big difference and is it mellow yellow first or was it mountain dew first because they're way different they are okay anyway so if we're looking at so we just talked about the whole overall heavy alcohol now if we're looking at just binge drinking age 12 and older over time again this 18 to 25 year old age group has been trending down in binge drinking which is again so weird to me. Yeah, when overall it's pretty well flattened. Correct. You know, from 12 and older, it's flattened. But so I, I do think state, that, steady yeah, state. and 12 to 17 has, I think, been the same for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So not much has changed there. But if you look at, now if we, we switch over and we look to the illicit drugs, you know, past year use among amongst those people 12 and older, it's funny how, again, there has not been a... a really enormous change at all. Mm -mm. It's very flat since 2015. In basically all age groups, there's no significant difference. The one trend on here, and again, it's super subtle, is the 26 and older had has had a slight uptick from 2015 to 2018. Now, what I would love to see on these last two figures is if we can break down that age group even more. So 26 and older, that's a huge span you know, if we could see like a 40 and older and then a curtain older. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting, too, that still the overall numbers, when you're looking at percent using in the past year, I mean, you're talking 20% of 
Um, I mean, I think that's pretty high. Right. Uh, and if you look at the group that's 18 to 25, it's closer to 38 to 40%. So That's a lot. I think that's a lot. That's um, like one. It, and it hasn't changed. Million. And I think, again, much of that is probably marijuana. Which we'll go on to the next slide. So if we look at... From 2002 to 2018, so again, this is over time, past marijuana use among people ages 12 and older. The thing that is most striking on this, just at first glance, is, I mean, because it's elevated above the rest, is this 18 to 25-year-old age group. And initially in the mid-2000s, it trended down just a hair, but it has gone up since what? into 2018. Yeah, and I think part of that, it's like now there's legal medicinal, medicinal and there's legal. Uh, and I think the perception is, is that marijuana is not harmful. The other striking couple things on here is it's actually gone down in the 12 to 18-year-old age group. 12 and older has obviously gone up because you're looking at all the, all the other age groups. But 26 and older has been a steady increase, even more than any of the others. So 26 and older and 12 and older, they're kind of parallel to each other. But overall, trending up, except in that college age group. Yeah. So you're having decreased alcohol in college and decreased marijuana. So you're wrong on that previous speculation over time. Dang it. Isn't that weird? That I was wrong? Well, no, that's that is not weird. weird. <laughs> but, but yeah, both of them went down. Yeah. Now let's, uh, let's change gears. We're going to move to heroin. Uh, something that we see a lot of uh, heroin usage and now, if we look at people age 12 and older, and I can't say we've seen anybody really under the age of 17 using heroin, but uh, obviously they do. But if you're looking at the the last year, or excuse me, from 2002 to 2018, there has been really not a huge difference in, in some of the age groups. But again, when you look at that 18 to 25, 25 that's the group that uh, really probably peaked out at 2013 and 14. Which isn't surprising at all, yeah. looking at the history. Yeah, right in that 1% range of, uh, of that age group. But that has been trending down Yeah, and since I, then. I think that uh, opioids, uh, overdoses, uh, actually on the increase this last year or two. So I'd be interesting to see what that showed from 2019 and 2020. Right. Uh, if we're going to see with the pandemic. Every the chart stress. we ever look at ever again is going to have like this asterisk next to 2020. Yeah. And probably 2021 as well. Pandemic. As we sit here, our hospitals are all full. So the other thing really interesting from that 12 to 17, you mentioned we haven't really seen anyone in that age group. 12 to 17 like hit almost zero in 2018. On yeah. this chart, so very yeah. cool. And I and I'd have to say we've seen people in that age group with opioid pills, um, uh, one that I can think of off the top of my head, but uh, not so much heroin. So then we're going to switch over to meth, which this chart instead of starting at two thousand two starts at fifteen. I think where, you know, there was a meth thing back twenty years ago, at least in our area, kind of you know fizzled for a bit, and then now has obviously taken over again. Um, but if you look at the last, those five years, well, three years, 15 to 18, it's kind of stayed steady overall, it looks like. Yeah, it's actually come down a little in the, you know, that 18 to 25, uh, but it's still about 1%, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. And if you, you know. Because that's the same as what heroin was. Yeah, if you look at the older, uh, it's shifted up a little, but, you know, the 26 and older. But again, those, they've been pretty stable except for the decrease in that 18 to 25. And I would have to say I see a significant number of people using meth over 30. Right. 
All right. So now we're going to look at prescription medication. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the benzodiazepine misuse among that age group. And really, there's not a whole bunch of trends here. If anything, and again, this is 15 to 18, um, 2015 to 2018, um, the 18 to 25, the use dropped just a hair. Sorry, another earthquake. How do we get snow falling <laughs> off the roof? But really, it stayed super steady, except maybe a slight half a percentage decrease in the 18 to 25-year-olds, um, right around that 5%, but everybody else down on that 2 to 2.5%. But not really much trending anywhere on these charts. Now, back to the whole prescriptions. This is cool. Well, yeah, and I think this really fits with what happened with opioid prescribing. I think. Well, in our community, 2015 is when we started our opioid stewardship type program. Yeah, and I think that uh, when we saw less prescribing, we slowly saw less misuse, really, from 2015 to 18. And I think probably that group that was really doing a majority of that use, uh, 18 and 25s, they've come down from about 9% all the way to 6%. So Wait, that's a big drop. It's a huge drop. And then I went back up a couple slides and compared that to the heroin use. And it, it really didn't have this astronomical increase through those same years. So I don't know if it's just there are fewer prescription pills and some people really just stopped using opioids or if, and, and then the heroin stayed steady or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or people just grew out of that 18 to 25 year old age group or what? Yeah. If you look at all the other age groups, they really go from right, right between four and 5%, really down to three and 4%. So, you know, maybe a 20, 25% drop over the last few years. But uh, I think the most dramatic is really that group that was using the majority of them, misusing the majority of them, uh, which is that 18 to 25. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the, the use in general. Now we're going to talk about more of the diagnoses of use disorder. So next we're going to talk about this 12 and older, 2002 to 2018 diagnoses of alcohol use disorder. And so clearly the most striking one on this chart is that whole 18 to 25 year old age group, the diagnosis of alcohol use disorder. My disclaimer to this would be if we're actually giving a diagnosis of alcohol use disorder, you need someone to actually give that diagnosis. And I think we've seen this a lot is that people don't give the diagnosis. And so you have to first recognize there's an issue, then actually see if they have an actual diagnosis, diagnosable use disorder to be able to put them in this chart. Yep. I so there's think, a lot of variability in this. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at all the other age groups, we've just had this slow decline from, you know, 6 to 8% uh, in those age groups, actually qualifying for an alcohol use disorder, and then slowly decreasing uh, over the, over really the last 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. But boy, the group of 18 to 25 year olds went from almost 17 or 18 percent all the way down to about 10 percent. It's crazy. And uh, again, those are heavy alcohol users in that age bracket. So but then if you look at illicit drug use disorder, so this is anything that's not legal. So, you know, the heroines, the methamphetamines, you have seen an uptick. So this is 2015 to 2018 diagnoses of illicit use disorder. So from 2016 to 2018 specifically, there's about a 1% increase in that same 25 to 18 to 25 year old age group. Yeah. Whereas the others kind of stayed pretty steady. Yeah. So the takeaway is that again, the winners, if you will, is that same age group, just uh, continuing to be at the higher levels of usage that 18 to 25 um, let's discuss that once. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're double, their rates are double the other age groups. 
So it just, it just came to my mind, why that age group? And, you know, thinking about our patient population is, is you know, half to maybe a little bit more are in that age group when we at least first diagnosed them with opioid use disorder or where they first really started using heavy IV, you know, heroin. The other thing is, again, your frontal lobe, the ability to make adulting type decisions doesn't really develop fully, especially in men until age 25. So this is, this is that age group I think you really want to work on targeting um, as far as education and prevention. Well, and, uh, and by targeting, I think it's just asking the questions. So many doctors <laughs> just don't ask the questions. Well, asking the questions, and especially when you're going to talk about opioids and benzos, is being a little bit more aware so you don't accidentally contribute or start or, you know... Yeah. Bring it into a, a thing. Yep. So ask the questions, ask please. The question. All right. Look at heroin from 2002 to 2018. Yeah. And again, the same age group kind of, and really, you know, it was pretty steady at that, you know, probably 0.25% heroin usage in that age group. Until 2012. Probably, yeah. Until about 2012, which is really when the opioids just became more and more available. And then people switched over for mostly probably cost reasons because it's much cheaper to use heroin. And then it hit that 0.5% and kind of stayed there till 2017. Again, we're seeing the drop now. It's decreasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, remember that still only a small percentage of the people with opioid use disorder are actually being treated. Correct. And that's the next slide, ironically. So if we're looking at alcohol use disorder and illicit drug use disorder in the past year among 12 and older with past year substance use disorder. So we're looking, this is 2018. So the, the overall number, now picture of Venn diagram, the overall number is 20.3 million people over the age of 12 that have subtype of substance use disorder. Yeah. So if you're looking at only alcohol use disorder, about 60% of that total 20 million have an alcohol use disorder, so a little over 12 million people. And that's, that's uh, interesting. That's people who only have an alcohol use disorder. If you're looking at just illicit drug use disorder, so anything illicit, about five and a half million people. So about 27% of people with any type of a substance use disorder have an illicit drug use disorder with that overlap of having both alcohol and illicit drug use disorder of about almost 3 million people. Yeah. So of the total percentage of people with any substance use disorder, people with those two That'd be 13%, is that what it says? It does say that. You know, that's funny because I, I can't think where I've seen that a lot. And uh, of the 100 people going now, boy, I think I'd struggle to think of 10. I can think of two or three, but I think that, you know, I, I certainly see it. They're, um, now, I wonder, and, and this I don't know the answer with this chart is, is this exactly at the same time active use disorder because what if they have a history of alcohol Uh, use disorder they're in recovery from but they still have the diagnoses and then now they have it you know the whole you know history of one use disorder kind of is a high risk for another use disorder and so if it doesn't kind of quantify if this is an active like comorbid like can like at the same time correct actually the guy that i one guy that i'm taking care of now has was using heroin and then kratom and alcohol all at the same time which I hadn't seen a lot of in the last few years, so. I uh, hope you've screened him for depression. Those are all downers. Oh, he kind of takes care of things. Yeah, we got we got somebody seeing him. It's all taken Good. care of. All right, so I don't think we really need to 
go through the criteria for substance use disorders. Belabor. Belabor it. But I think, you know, kind of the take home from all of this is overall things have been steady to decreasing. But to remember that, especially with opioid use disorder, there are medications that can help treat this. Buprenorphine, methadone, injectable naltrexone. And then alcohol use disorder, you know, for a long time, I mean, even when I was in residency, the only medication we really used to treat alcohol use disorder was disulfiram. That's it, and abuse. But there's other medications, naltrexone with gabapentin, naltrexone with baclofen, naltrexone, topiramate, and a campersate if you need to. Yeah. So there are meds. Yeah. And even in meth, you know, there's some use of topiramate or remuron at bedtime. There's other things like that. I think that, uh, you know, obviously we don't have something like buprenorphine for opioid use disorder. We don't have anything that's exactly like that for meth or for marijuana or for... Or even for alcohol. Not exactly. No, not the same. But... So, so the way that we target it is different. But I think it's important to remember there are treatments, and if you're not personally comfortable using them, it's important to refer on to somebody who is, um, because these patients, you know, there's only a, what, 6% of people or fewer actually get treatment for their use disorder. And, I, and again, what's the key? The key is ask the questions. When you when you get the patients, if there's anything that would make you think they may be needing help or they have a use disorder that they're kind of hinting at, ask the questions. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll let Battle Legs take over, and we will chat at you next week. Man is on his way, searching for the mountain tay in the hills of Connemara. Gather up the pots and the oats and can, the mash, the corn, the barley, and the bran. Run like the devil from the excise man, keep the smoke from rising barney. Swing to the left, swing to the right, the excise man will dance all night. Drinking up the tay in the broad daylight in the hills of Connemara. Gather up the pots and the oats and can, the mash, the corn, the barley, and the bran. Run like the devil from the excise man, keep the smoke from rising barney. For the butcher, a quart for Tom, a bottle for old Father John To help the poor old man along in the hills of Connemara Gather up the box and the oats and can The mash, the corn, the barley and the bran Run like the devil from the excise man Keep the smoke from rising Barney The excise men are at the wall Jesus Christ, they're drinking it all In the hills of Connemara Gather up the pots and the oats and can The mash, the corn, the barley and the bran Run like the devil from the excise man Keep the smoke from rising Barney